This free program is paid for by the listener members of KPFK. If you're not already a member, consider joining with us and keep free speech alive. You're going to love this. Just love it. It's not. It was what I even see here. Not scared. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Indeed. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to your broadcast right here live from Los Angeles on Los Angeles's KPFK. That's 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org and Radio or not dot com. Glad you could join us this afternoon. We've got another big show for you here over the next hour. Uh, you know, MSNBC. Oh, I should say. Oh, I forgot to say who I am. Brad Friedman. <laughs> Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Here with you this afternoon, taking uh, well, your phone calls in a little bit, as well as your tweets at the Brad Blog, if you'd like to reach out. Uh, yesterday morning, MSNBC and CNN, both of their uh, iPhone apps that I happen to have on my iPhone, sent me breaking news. Uh, oddly enough, uh, and it was almost identical breaking news from either of them. Oddly enough, however, nothing on this particular news item from my Fox News app. I can't understand why. Uh, perhaps there's a reason for that. The breaking alert that came from CNN and MSNBC, but not from Fox News, was, quote, Rupert Murdoch, not a, quote, fit person. To run a major international corporation, UK lawmakers say. I wonder why Fox News didn't see, uh, didn't see fit to send me that, uh, that breaking news as it happened yesterday morning, whereas MSNBC and CNN did for some odd reason. Gonna be talking about that a little bit today, uh, with my guest Eric Bullert of Media Matters for America in just a few minutes. We'll also be joined a little bit later by Desi Doyen with the Green News Report. And as I say, your calls and tweets at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. If you want to use your public airwaves before you lose them more than you already have. All right, with uh, with the uh, contested presidential primaries now behind us and Mitt Romney set as the presumptive 2012 GOP nominee for now anyway keep an eye on Ron Paul's delegate strategy perhaps we'll discuss that on a future show could be interesting uh, uh, come uh, GOP RNC uh, convention time in Tampa and yes now even Newt Gingrich in the least surprising news ever dropping out of the presidential race officially today 
The presidential horse race for now has turned largely to silly season. Yes, it's even sillier than it has been up till now, with both Republicans and Democrats attempting to shore up their respective bases and the mainstream corporate media fixating on, you know, important stuff like which one treats dogs worse and how it is that Mitt Romney will ever find his way back from the extreme right wing of his party where he was forced to run during the primary. So for the moment, not a whole lot matters there, in truth. Now, next Tuesday, Wisconsin will see something that matters, a historic recall election primary in advance of its statewide recall elections on June 5th, which, by the way, happens on the same day as our own California primaries out here. Oh, lucky me. Uh, and uh, when uh, Scott, uh, controversial Republican Governor Scott Walker, his lieutenant governor, Rebecca Kleefish, and the seats of a, a four and the seats of four GOP state senators will all be up for grabs. That's on June 5th with the primary coming up next Tuesday after this year long, more than a year long power struggle, or as I like to call it, the war for Wisconsin that is currently being waged in the Badger state. I may have a bit more on next week's Wisconsin primary a bit later in the show, but for now, Otherwise, there seems to be very little real news going on nationally, at least as long as corporate media continues to ignore thousands of Americans still simmering and or uprising via Occupy in the May Day protests yesterday. But there are some important stories going on that may actually affect the American people, even if the U.S. corporate media, uh, as usual, fails to focus on those. One of those is actually playing out in Great Britain but could prove to have some very serious ramifications back here in the U.S. Emphasis on could, we'll see. And we'll be discussing those, as I say, uh, those potential ramifications momentarily with my guest, Eric Bullert. Uh, here's how The Guardian in the U.K. reported the news yesterday. Uh, reading here from The Guardian. Rupert Murdoch is not a fit person. That's a quote, quote, not a fit person to exercise stewardship of a major international company. A committee of British MPs has concluded in a report highly critical of the mogul and his son James's role in the news of the world phone hacking affair. The Commons Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee also concluded that James Murdoch shows, quote, willful ignorance of the extent of phone hacking during 2009 and 2010 in a highly charged document that saw MPs split on party lines as regard the, as regards the two Murdochs. Labor MPs and the sole Liberal Democrat on the committee, Adrian Sanders, voted together in a block of six against the five conservatives to insert the criticisms of Rupert Murdoch and toughen up the remarks about his son James, but the MPs were united in their criticism of other former News International employees, the cross-party group of MPs said that Les Hinton, the former executive chair of News International, was, quote, complicit in a cover-up at the newspaper group, and that Colin Myler, former editor of the News of the World and the paper's ex-head of legal, Tom Crone, deliberately withheld crucial information and answered questions falsely. All three were accused of misleading Parliament by the Culture Select Committee. Rupert Murdoch, the document said, quote, did not take steps to become fully informed about phone hacking and turned a blind eye and exhibited willful blindness to what was going on in his companies and publications. 
The committee concluded that the culture of the company's newspapers, quote, permeated from the top, the top, that would seem to be Rupert Murdoch, and, quote, speaks volumes about the lack of effective corporate governance at News Corp and News International. That prompted the MP's report to say, quote, we conclude, therefore, that Rupert Murdoch is not a fit person to exercise the stewardship of a major international company. A very serious report. I can only imagine what that would be like uh, if uh, the findings, uh, a report like that came out from our Congress about somebody who headed a major corporation in this country. Uh, writing about that uh, report yesterday was Eric Bollert, um, who wrote a, a terrific article over at Media Matters called Murdoch's Nixonian Demise. I'll read you just one paragraph, and then we'll go to Eric. Uh, he writes, both Nixon and Murdoch developed a culture of corruption. Both practiced partisan hardball but quickly cast themselves as victims when law, enforcement's start, law enforcement started to ask difficult questions. For Murdoch and Nixon, the rules did not apply as breaking the law became commonplace in the pursuit of the ultimate goal, serving enemies with payback. And like Nixon, Murdoch's reputation has suffered a fatal blow in the form of a botched cover-up. To talk about this botched cover-up and his article, I'm joined now by Eric Bollert, Senior Fellow from Media Matters for America. Hey, Eric, welcome back, sir, to KPFK's broadcast. Hey, Brad, how are you? Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, this is, uh, we talked about this, I, I think it was about a year ago, as this story was uh, sort of finally beginning to emerge, at least here in, in the U.S., uh, and then this report yesterday is is rather extraordinary. I don't think what I read from The Guardian, however, gives us the full flavor of what really went on here and, and what the various uh, properties uh, of, of News Corp are accused of doing. Are you, are you able to sort of summarize for us what's really at the heart of this, uh, of this story before we get into uh, Murdoch's uh, dementia, real or uh, feigned? <laughs> Well, in, in Britain, it, it really is. It's the it's the phone hacking and the bribing. You have to understand that this story has been simmering in England for almost five years. I mean, Les, uh, Les Hinton, who you mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. he, he was called to testify before members of Congress in 2007. That's how long ago Parliament wanted answers to simple questions in terms of how many phones were hacked <laughs> under under Murdoch's reign. Mm -hmm. And for years and years, you know, the lieutenants would go before Parliament and say, "Well, you know, we we can't we can't tell. Or the best we can tell is one or maybe two people." So it, it started out as a phone hacking scandal, and then last summer it exploded into something much bigger in that it became a bribery scandal, and we found out that Murdoch's properties were paying off British officials, a lot of them, for access to scoops, and, and people were being bribed, and, and the, there wasn't a few phones being hacked. It was thousands and thousands. So it became rather breathtaking, the scope of what was going on, and, and so that's that's in Great Britain, and in, in the United States, you can connect certain dots because um, there have been allegations from people that Murdoch companies sort of operate without a moral compass, and I'm not talking Fox News making stuff up about Democrats. 
I'm talking about specifically there's a company, a marketing company, News America, that, that was accused of several companies of anti-business practices and specifically, look, lo and behold, hacking into the computers of its competitor. In that case, went to court and, and, and News Corp had to settle. And, and before they settled, you know, the News Corp attorney admitted in court that, yes, our computers were used to hack into our competitors. So there's a much larger sort of culture of corruption and there seems to be a much larger ethos that, that at News Corp there are no rules or the only rules are what Rupert says goes. So that's the culture that it created, and we finally, in the last year or so, the curtain was pulled back in the form of this inquiry, and people got to understand just sort of the rampant criminality that, that was being done at the, at the Murdoch properties. Hey, and hey, these are supposed to be news properties. <laughs> I mean, yes, the, 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 the News Corp company in the United States I talk about was a marketing company, but in general, you know, in terms of the core of this controversy, these are supposed to be news companies and journalism companies, which just sort of adds to the to the irony, I guess. Well, it, it does. As a matter of fact, in the uh, Select Committee's report, they said, uh, quote, we would add to these admissions that as the head of a journalistic enterprise, we're astonished that James Murdoch did not seek more information or ask to see the evidence and counsel's opinion when he was briefed by uh, Tom Crone and Colin Myler on uh, on one of these uh, one of these phone hacking cases, one of the phone hacking uh, cases that they actually settled, I think, back in uh, 2008. Right. But uh, I, I think they're giving them the benefit of the doubt there by calling them a journalistic enterprise. Well, maybe enterprise. Enterprise, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's a journalistic enterprise. That might be about right. But so this is not just uh, this is not just a political deal. In other words, uh, in, in looking into this hacking, I mean, this, these are serious criminal allegations that are being laid out they're being investigated not just by uh by parliament but by right. uh, by police yeah. and and we're talking about some of these bribery cases uh, they're questioning uh, whether actually police officials were bribed are they not oh absolutely as you recall last summer the head of uh, Scotland Lar- Scotland Yard in London stepped down uh because it was becoming obvious that you know they had almost done almost nothing to investigate this hacking situation because you know Murdoch really had the whole system tied tied up, or he had the whole system in his pocket. He had members of Parliament who were very loyal to him and who owed him and were afraid of him and what his tabloids would do to them. So they refused to pursue these uh, these allegations. He had Scotland Yard which was getting paid off by the Murdoch properties. Uh, they did not want to investigate their own. They, they probably knew uh, or might have known what was going on. Um, so uh, for years and years, you know, people were banging their head against the wall over there trying to figure out the scope of the situation. And then finally uh, a, couple, a couple elements broke and, and, and the dam sort of broke. But, yeah, it's not, you know, you hear in the United States, particularly, you know, conservative media or, or what's left of Murdoch defenders saying, oh, you know, big deal. So, you know, some tabloids in London, you know, uh, eavesdropped on some voicemail messages. You know, those London tabloids, they don't have any standards. Fox News would never do that. But, no, it's not just about hacking a few phones. Again, this is thousands and thousands and thousands and Scotland Yard has three separate investigations uh, undergoing right now. It is by far and away the biggest news story in the last, 
ongoing news story in, in England in the last 10 months. This is, you mentioned what if a congressional report had come out about a, a United States company. Imagine if it had come out about the New York Times or NBC. Oh my God. Yeah. CNN. Um, so uh, Murdoch does occupy uh, a unique and uh, a very unique position in in, uh, in British politics and media. I mean, Eric, look what look what happened to NPR when uh, James O'Keefe came out with a fake, phony video concerning them. Uh, you know, they 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 fired the president of of NPR. She had to step down. She wasn't even involved with this fake, phony video. So uh, you know, and and that was absolutely nothing versus a years long investigation. Thousands of phone hacks, bribery, bribery of police officials, and this report is, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but are they not looking into Murdoch's use, specifically his use of power to influence uh, both legislation and legislators as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we have the hacking and the bribery, but then here comes the Nixonian part is the, you know, the massive cover-up. And, and and not a very good one. Again, I think the cover-up was so sloppy and so lazy because, you know, News Corp figured, who's going to touch us? Parliament's not going to come after us. Scotland Yard's not going to come after us. The other newspapers aren't going to come after us because they probably, you know, they, they, uh, they're involved in, you know, the dark arts as well. They don't want to open their books and see what sort of sleazy things other tabloids do. So we're all set. So we're just going to go up to when we're, we're ordered to testify, we're going to just sort of be very vague and have a, a you know selective amnesia, as this parliamentary report uh, accused less hidden of. And, and they almost went up there and, you know, and, and sort of laughed about it and said, oh, yeah, we looked into it. We can't really find anything. Or, you know, it was a, it was a rogue element. Uh, and we, you know, we we think we got to the bottom of it, and, and no one believed any of it. But again, they were in such a powerful position uh, that they felt like they could just sort of uh, say whatever they wanted about this cover-up. And what's amazing is, you know, it's been almost a year from from last July when the story really exploded. Uh, nothing, none of the information that's come out since then uh, uh, backs up you know, the Murdoch or News Corp store at all. Every, literally every piece of revel- information, every revelation, every email, everyone who's come forward, all of it uh, points to an accusatory figure at them. Nothing about their original cover story uh, is held up at all. And you write, uh, Eric Bullard, in, in your article yesterday, Murdoch's Nixonian demise, a rather uh, sober piece, uh, frankly, uh, about the fact that really nobody seems to be coming to Murdoch's defense here, that he does seem to be all alone. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there is some question, at least in my mind, of whether he's uh, really the doddering Mr. Magoo that he's, he's uh, you know, seen as in his testimony with Parliament, uh, or if that is... Or, or if that's a you know sort of an act that they're that he's trying to uh, to put on to gain sympathy, you got you got an opinion on that? Right, it reminds me of that famous old Saturday Night Live sketch when there was the uh, Iran Contra hearings, and there's this skit where uh, Reagan is Reagan. Sort of the doddering old fool in the yeah. Oval Office and in uh, greeting Girl Scout selling cookies, and then the Girl Scout leaves and he he switches and he's right. mastermind of Iran Contra and he's speaking foreign languages at four in the yes. morning. Yes. Uh, so it could be either or. It could be this could be something to that with Murdoch, but uh, I think I, I, I would weigh in on sort of the doddering. Uh, he, he, he has so, he has shown no capacity to 
understand the complexities in terms of what's going on. Uh, the, the, there's a cult, there's, there's two problems. There's a culture of corruption where News Corp executives, uh, uh, not just in Britain but or, or around the globe, example after example where they felt the rules did not apply to them. And, and, and the culture was, as I, as I mentioned, you know, there are no rules. It's what whatever Rupert says goes, or it's win at any cost. So there's that culture. But then there seems there very well seems to be a culture of nobody tell Rupert bad news. So there was this internal investigation, and, and we now know all kinds of people knew about the hacking and, and the bribery, and, and senior people in many newspapers and attorneys and James Murdoch and others uh, but no one bothered to tell Rupert because I think the feeling was no one tells him bad news, and and that's a, that's a horrible way to run any kind of company, let alone a, a multinational media conglomerate. So those two things were working against him. I don't think I don't think he he really understands what's going on, but that that's certainly no excuse at this point. Uh, I'm speaking with Eric Bollert, senior fellow of uh, at Media Matters for America. You're listening to the Bradcast on KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. Uh, this is not Eric. This is not a. Um, uh, you know, solely a British issue. Uh, this is going to uh, potentially have some uh, serious ramifications here in in at least two different regards. Uh, one is uh, the investigation into whether the practices that were done with these uh, uh, British uh, media outlets were actually done here in any of uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, News Corp's properties here in the U.S., that's uh, Fox News, that's the New York Post, that's, incredibly enough, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, if any of those practices uh, were carried out here as well, you know, you've got a lot of, um, where is uh, this uh, one, one of these uh, fellas? Let me get his name here. Uh, Colin Myler, uh, who is implicated in this report, he's now five months into his editorship at the New York Daily News. He was named as part of this hacking scandal. He's working out here at New York Daily News, not a, a, a Rupert Murdoch property, uh, but, you know, clearly affecting. Uh, it's remarkable to me that he is still working there. And then you've got Piers Morgan, who has been alleged to have also done some phone hacking himself when he was over in the U.K., now uh, on primetime in CNN. But, more uh, potentially disturbing, and you can give us a, a sense of this, is the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, and if this is going to come in play here. Essentially, if I understand this law uh, correctly, Eric, um, companies, for example, that uh, that that bribe uh, you know foreign officials that are involved in criminality overseas, their parent companies are held accountable to some extent under U.S. law and under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. And this is something that uh, it looks like Fox News was working hard to change a law that they were working hard to change with the Chamber of Commerce. This is from uh, the Republic report. Uh, last week, the Chamber of Commerce made a major push in late 2010 to severely curtail the power of the FCPA. One of the revisions of the business lobby, uh, one of the revisions the business lobby wanted was to limit a parent company's civil liability for the acts of a subsidiary. This lobbying also came shortly after it was revealed that the U.S. Chamber had been getting foreign funding from overseas corporations. And uh, just before the, com uh, the Chamber of Commerce started lobbying for this, News Corp 
gave the chamber a donation of $1 million, you know, adding a questions to whether they saw some of this coming and they're trying to water down the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. How, in fact, could that law uh, affect Rupert Murdoch and News Corp? And if it did, what are the ramifications there, Eric? Well, the ramifications would mostly be more massive legal bills for News Corp. Um, the the uh, the act you're talking about is it, basically, you know, it's pretty simple. If you if you're an American-based company, and remember, Murdoch moved News Corp's headquarters to New York. He's you know he's thought of as an, an Aussie and a Brit, but News Corp is an American company based on Sixth Avenue in New York. Uh, and the act says, you know, if if any of your employees are overseas in foreign companies, uh, it is illegal to bribe uh, public officials in order to gain a marketplace advantage. Usually that's used for securing contracts. Usually that's used to uh, bribe officials in order to get your goods or, or even services into a marketplace. Um, but the the claim here is that, you know, Murdoch's employees were bribing Scotland Yard, were bribing British officials in, in order to secure these scoops for their tabloids, which would give them a marketplace advantage. Uh, so it's, it seems kind of straightforward, not the typical application in terms of what the actual act was, but, you know, there's no question people were being bribed for, for uh, in order to improve business. Right. Um, what happens with these investigations is they're massively expensive. Basically, the DOJ says, prove to us that you're innocent, and then the companies, or prove to us that this doesn't go further than we already know it goes, and then the companies have to ma- launch these massive internal investigations that can run hundreds of millions of dollars. And what will, what will be the effect if they are found guilty of violating the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act? Uh, they, it's usually monetary, and they're usually hit with a fine. The fine usually is smaller than the hundreds of millions they just spent to investigate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the term, in, in the terms of a media company, uh, there does it does then maybe raise the question of whether uh, you know they are fit to own broadcast license and things like that. I think that would be probably a stretch to connect those uh, dots. But uh, the, the Department of Justice has been pretty aggressive on these cases because the, they, they make them, they, they produce a ton of money. Um, and, and so, again, these, these are allegations that are on the books, and they've already conceded that people were, lots of British officials were, were paid off and bribed. So that's, that is clearly a problem, and there's a reason Rupert Murdoch, is, in, in terms of the legal world, is, is, is said to have uh, assessed Basically, the, this uh, FCPA all-star legal team, they, they've gotten all the best lawyers on the case. They realize this is coming, and, and they're trying to head it off and show the DOJ that they're okay. But again, there's a, there's a British uh, or a German engineering firm called Siemens that uh, just spent a billion dollars dealing with these allegations. It was almost a, I think a seven- or eight-year investigation. These things are a massive Massive and the FBI is actively investigating the, the, this uh, this case. Are they not under the yeah. Foreign Corrupt, Corrupt Practices Act? Okay, they're investigating that, and there's also a larger. This part of a larger, or I guess I would say, um, uh, uh, ongoing investigation. The DOJ DOJ is looking at whether uh, you know there's a larger pattern of criminality in News Corp. Uh, again, these are these are uh, crimes that have been uh, admitted to. 
Um, and, and so in this case, they want to find out, well, is this just isolated in Great Britain or not? Do we have any? I've got just a minute or two left here, yeah. Erica, and there's actually a couple of uh, questions I want to get to. Do we have any evidence very quickly of this sort of behavior yet going on in any of uh, Murdoch's properties here in the U.S., Fox News, uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, no, or any others? Ter- not in terms of hacking phones that, okay. you know, at, the, at the media companies, but like I said, you know, there have been cases in court that this marketing firm admitted that, you know, News Corp computers were used to hack the competitors, um, and this company was the, the target of three separate lawsuits. Uh, Mur- Murdoch spent almost $700 million to, to make those cases go away, all of them. Uh, basically claimed rampant criminality mm-hmm. uh, by uh, by uh, uh, a news corp company criminality that frankly mirrors what's going on in Great Britain. So you can connect some dots here. Two separate questions here. We'll get to the uh, Fox News and the the, the right wing blogosphere in a moment on this. But uh, how is setting them aside? How are the rest of the media actually covering this? Are, as you see it uh, over there at Media Matters, are they uh, CNN and MSNBC and 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 the uh, New York Times, so forth? Are they and the networks? Are they giving this story the uh, the proper due that it it deserves, or is this something that is sort of uh, not not really being told here in the U.S. Uh, to the extent that it deserves? Well, that's a good question. I I, I think it deserves more attention. I think the New York Times has done some great reporting on this. They did some original reporting before the story broke big last summer. They've done some good reporting since then. Um, uh, you know, you, if in terms of time and attention, you really have to go back to last July in terms of when it got real steady, when it was a blockbuster story. I think what's happened now, it's, it's sort of become this slow motion story. Mm-hmm. The exclamation point yesterday with this parliamentary re- parliament report. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that it, it's just not maybe as sexy as before. But honestly, again, if you go back, if this was near the New York Times or CNN that was being basically dismantled on a month-by-month basis, I think it would get... I think it would get more recovered. And, and I do think the press is guilty of, well, that's just a British story. I don't uh-huh. think they understand their implications beyond that. Uh, okay. Uh, last question for you here, Erica. I know that you, and by the way, you must be, uh, the most beloved guy in the, the right wing, uh, blogosphere, Eric Bollert. I mean, on the Twitters, it seems like these guys on the right, they, they, they can't send out a tweet that doesn't have your name in it for some reason. Uh, they must be crazy about you, Eric. Uh, how, how are Fox News and, uh, the right wing blogosphere and tweetosphere, uh, covering this story as you see it, Eric? Uh, the basic, the, the story doesn't exist, basically. I mean, you know, Rupert Murdoch is the godfather of right-wing media. He has spent and lost more money propping up properties, specifically the New York Post. Uh, and not just the money he spent, he has given it its sort of pitbull, hyper-partisan, hyper-aggressive name-calling, you know, motto. Uh, and here he is going down in this, you know, in flames in this debacle and, is the story doesn't exist on the right-wing blogosphere. It doesn't exist on talk radio. Fox News periodically, grudgingly passes along updates. Uh, Fox, uh, the, the nighttime shows, I mean, Hannity and, and O'Reilly will not touch, I mean this literally, will not touch the story. O'Reilly gave it five minutes one night last July. Since then, <laughs> he and Hannity, I think, have aired over 300 hours of programming and, 
and won't talk. And, and, again, again, imagine if this were NBC. Oh, my Fox God. News would have to have a separate show just to cover this story. And they're not even, because usually they'll come to uh, their defense, so they're just not even mentioning even no the, yeah, even the Andrew uh, even the Andrew Breitbots are not no. coming out to the... They, they, in ten months, they have not been able to figure out any angle. And you, we, you and I both know how creative they are. Oh yeah, and how crazy they are, and how facts don't get in the way. <laughs> but they, they can't even. They won't even touch. It. It's they remarkable. can't even make something up. What a lack of imagination. Uh, Eric Bullert of um, senior fellow at Media Matters. Check out his work at MediaMatters.org. Eric, always great catching up with you on this. I appreciate it. And do check out his uh, article, Murdoch's Nixonian Dismi- Demise. Thanks, Eric. Great talking to you, my friend. Talk to you soon. They are. Fox is on the run indeed. You're listening to Brad Friedman on KPFK's The Bradcast. We're going to take a quick break. If you want to ring in on uh, that topic uh, or any other today, 818-985-KPFK is our phone number, 818-985-5735. Desi Doyen is going to be joining us for some green news momentarily. This is your Bradcast. Stay with us. Tune in for another segment of Treasures of the West as we jump into spring and I'll take you on a tour of some historic gardens in Los Angeles. And for gardeners or for those who are looking for a peaceful garden sanctuary, you'll learn about some special places to visit this spring that takes us back to Los Angeles history. You'll also hear about the upcoming programs and events that you can attend this spring, including the annual Sierra Madre Wisteria Festival, where you can view the historic wisteria vine and has been recorded as one of the largest blooming plants. Tune in Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. for another segment of Treasures of the West, and I'll be your host, Pamela Wilson. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not be televised. 
Join KPFK this Sunday for a very special musical tribute to the late Gil Scott Heron, bluesologist and Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award winner. At KPFK's second annual Heroes Hero Awards and Concert. An evening of music and celebration to benefit KPFK, honoring icons and arca- artists of our time who have left a lasting impact on our music and community. That's this Sunday, May 6th at 8 p.m. at Club Nokia. Live musical performances and guest speakers including Jackson Brown, Jack Black, ooh, this is good, John Densmore of The Doors, and a special youth performance by the 32nd Street Jazz Band. Plus, oh man, a special Lifetime Achievement Award to legendary American folk icon, Pete Seeger. Bring your family and friends to KPFK's second annual Hero Awards and concert. That's 8 p.m. this Sunday, May 6th at Club Nokia, 800 West Olympic Boulevard in the L.A. Live Entertainment Complex. For more info, call KPFK or go online to kpfk.org. Listener-sponsored Pacifica Radio for Southern California. Yep, that's radio for the 99%. It seems you blend in with so many other there you go, Des. ordinary things. There's your theme music. I know. There's your I theme. Know. This is when everybody cries. <laughs> we hear that sad Kermit the Frog song. That can only mean one thing. Desi Doyen of the Green News Report joins us. Sad trombone. That's it. Uh, we're running a little bit late, so we should probably get straight to the Green News Report. Then we'll get to uh, uh, a few words with uh, you live here, Desi Doyen, and uh, phone calls at 818-985-5735. I see the lines are uh, lighting up. We're going to get to you momentarily, but first let's uh, let's kick some Green News. New poll shows Americans want clean energy and are willing to pay for it. We heard today about fishing regulations. I'll continue to learn more about those regulations as they affect this industry. Mitt Romney still unclear on the concept of overfishing. Meet the nation's newest oil spill, now in Louisiana. Big oil rolls in taxpayer dough, but America's wind industry begs for scraps. Plus, these things are poster children, we're told, for addressing global warming. Now they're contributing to it. No, Fox News, wind farms do not cause global warming. All of that and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. What is the intent of the environmentalist community, really? The environmentalists have never liked progress. They've never liked capitalism. This is a long-running plot, quite frankly, concocted in the minds of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. (laughs) That's what it is. Happy May Day, comrades. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Des, we have heard now for months and years how divided this nation is. But once again, we have yet another new poll that shows that this nation is not divided after all, that this nation agrees on things like clean energy, regulating carbon, and being willing to pay for it. Indeed they are, but more on that in a moment. First, unclear on the concept of overfishing. That's GOP presidential candidate Mitt Romney, who in a campaign appearance in Portsmouth, New Hampshire on Monday, attacked the Obama administration's new catch limits and other regulations aimed at recovering commercial fishing stocks in the North Atlantic that have crashed in recent years. Across America, regulators just multiplying like proverbial rabbits. 
and, and making it harder and harder for enterprises to, to, to grow and, and to, to understand what their, what their future might be. So he's upset about the regulations that are meant to keep the fish alive so that the industry can continue? Yes. Yeah, so when he learns more about overfishing, maybe he'll hear about the last time, 20 years ago, when U.S. fishery regulations were implemented too late to save the commercial fishing industry from itself, when massive overfishing caused the permanent commercial collapse of the North Atlantic cod fishery. Good Lord. ExxonMobil says it's cleaning up a small oil spill from a pipeline in Louisiana. It's only 80,000 gallons of crude. This newest oil spill comes on the heels of a new report this week that criticizes regulatory oversight of the nation's oil and gas pipeline industry. The new report from the National Wildlife Federation finds that underfunded federal, state, and local regulators generally give pipeline companies great leeway in most cases, allowing the industry to regulate and inspect itself. A spokeswoman for the Pipeline Hazardous Materials Safety Administration says they have requested more funding from Congress to hire additional inspectors. But we know how regulations kill industry, so who needs it? Also on Capitol Hill, the American wind energy industry is on the ropes. While big oil has successfully fought off all attempts to repeal its billions in permanent taxpayer subsidies, America's wind energy industry is losing its production tax credit when it expires at the end of this year. A bipartisan coalition of industry and business groups are calling on the Republican-controlled Congress to extend this production tax credit. They say that the threat of expiration is already shutting down factories and jobs in the U.S. wind industry. Democratic representatives Representative Peter Welch of Vermont says this uncertainty for investors is already hurting U.S. global competitiveness. This production tax credit is really, really essential to give us a chance to compete against where a lot of wind technology is being exported, and that's to China. So the Republicans are set to allow this tax credit to expire? If they don't agree to take action, it will expire in December. And isn't that the equivalent in their minds of raising taxes? And isn't that exactly what they fight against for the oil industry? Yes, it is. Okay. I guess raising taxes is in the eye of the legislator. Speaking of hot air, Fox News thinks it's found a new cause for global warming. There's a new study dealing a blow to all of these uh, wind turbines the taxpayers are backing. It shows wind farms are fueling higher temperatures on the ground. Imagine that. These things are poster children, we're told, for addressing global warming. Now they're contributing to it? No, Neil Cavuto, they're not. That's yet another lie from Fox News misrepresenting a new study from the journal Nature Climate Change that found nighttime temperatures are one degree Fahrenheit higher at the base of wind turbines, and that's just due to mixing of the air. The scientists explicitly state in their study, wind farms do not contribute to global warming. I cannot believe that Fox is misrepresenting climate data. And yet clean energy is exactly what Americans want to see more of. That's according to a new poll, a joint project of Yale University and George Mason University that found a strong majority of Americans want their tax dollars to go toward research and development of clean energy. 75% of Americans support regulating carbon dioxide emissions. 65% support the U.S. signing on to an international treaty to cut emissions. 61% support a carbon tax. So all the things the Republicans have told us the country is against, it turns out they're in favor of. Who could have guessed it? For all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see? 
The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. All right, well done there, Des. Uh, blowing in the wind. Blowing in that the wind. does not cause global warming. I, I got to say, my favorite part of uh, uh, today's report has got to be that Fox News uh, thing that <laughs> just how farms, dumb it is. Wind farms are causing global warming. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a basic uh, misunderstanding of physics, but that's okay. We're not really that surprised. Well, uh, it's a purposeful misunderstanding uh, yeah, of physics, but yeah, because it's Fox. But uh, you had a couple of quick updates here before uh, we get to our phones. By the way, eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. We'll get to the phones momentarily. Yes, does. Okay, so this wind energy production tax credit that is set to expire at the end of this year that they are basically sort of, you know, just holding on to uh, some House Democrats, uh, Henry Waxman of California. Mm-hmm. Hooray. We like him. I like him, I should say. You do. Um, I like him. Okay. And uh, also Ed Markey <laughs> of Massachusetts. He, um, they, The two right. of them like together have right. introduced a new bill that would extend the production tax credit uh-huh. for another eight years, and it would add on renewable, other renewable technologies like geothermal, solar energy, and other, you know, experimental technologies right. that aren't quite as far along as wind and solar so are. Those are tax, but yes. this would go away in one year, this production tax credit would go away in one year if the Congress manages to pass a renewable energy standard, which would require major utilities to get 20 percent of their energy from renewable sources. The other thing that they would do with this bill is yeah. that they would, to pay for it, yeah. they would eliminate all of the oil subsidies that go to the oil industry, uh, that $4 billion a year pill. the tax payers. There you go. Poison pill. So it'll never happen now. It'll never pass. But, but. but what's, in, you know, what's interesting is this using the Republican rules of tax increases, which means that any time uh, you remove tax credits, they consider that a tax increase. By their own rules, they cannot remove the tax credits that they're currently giving uh, uh, to the wind industry. They have to keep them in place. Otherwise, Grover Norquest is going to come over and beat them up. Apparently, they don't care about that. Apparently that doesn't matter. Oh, and I also want to bring out one more thing that there was a major event in uh, French nuclear, the French nuclear industry today. That's the French nuclear industry. (laughs) If you're George Bush, yes. Um, uh, Today, a Greenpeace activist parasailed into a French (laughs) nuclear facility to highlight the major gaps in security. He dropped a red smoke bomb on top of one of the reactors, on the roof of one of the reactors, and they said it's to bring attention to the upcoming French elections, I think, or this weekend and the, yep. the two presidential contenders to discuss um, the <laughs> nuclear industry. So you can find that online. It's at The Guardian and The Telegraph right now. It's pretty stunning. All right. Good job. Good uh, good story. He paraglided into a nuke. Oh, yeah. I dropped it right on top of that reactor. And you, were, you were, and Margo Paez, uh, our associate producer, you guys uh, spent the weekend at the uh, San Onofre. Yes, San Onofre. There was a protest on Sunday. I thought you were glowing today. (laughs) Now I understand why. Yes, we'll see what happens with San Onofre as they examine what's going on there. Yeah, as they try to figure out what the hell is going on and how long that's going to be shut down. All right, uh, and we're going to be covering that, I suspect, more in the weeks ahead. Desi Doyen of the Green News Report and our producer here. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know what? I hear uh, Jack Black is in the building, by the way. You hear that? I do hear that. Do you have confirmation on that? I Actually, I do have confirmation. And I said, well, why isn't he on the air here? And they said, oh, because it's a secret. He's not supposed to. So Wait, it's a secret? Yes, yeah, so don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't tell Jack anybody. Jack Black is in the building. There you go. All right. Uh, okay, thanks, Daz. Uh, let's get to your uh, to your calls here. And uh, try to get in a quick word, if I can, about uh, Wisconsin and what to look for next 
uh, Tuesday, some warnings. If I don't get to that today, please check out bradblog.com for much more on that. And the warnings, uh, uh, Kathy Nicholas is back. Yeah, she said she wasn't going to, you know, the, remember the woman last year, 14,000 uh, ballots she found all of a sudden after the uh, Supreme Court election. She was forced to step aside for the recall elections, but just uh, over the weekend she said, oh, no, I'm not stepping aside. I'm going to be there all along. Running the voting machines, the very same paper ballot op-scan voting machines that just a few weeks ago named losers as winners in uh, some Palm Beach, Palm Beach elections. Those are now going to be uh, used in the uh, Wisconsin state recalls coming up. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to some phones here. Find out what's on your minds. Uh, Bella in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, I should say, uh, I'm taking these completely blind. No idea what you guys want to talk about, so make it good. Bella in Los Angeles, welcome to the broadcast. I appreciate the time. Uh, listen, uh, there are three topics that are very dear to me and others locally. Can you pick your favorite one so we can get everybody else in, and then we'll have why, you back next week? Why are socialists not allowed to have a program on KPFK? Yeah. There are many socialist candidates running for president, for local and state and federal offices. Why is it that KPFK only professes to be partial Uh for one party? That is the Democrats. Really? Well, you know what? Actually, we're talking about... Please, can I finish? Well, no, Bella, hang on. No, you can't. I only have a certain amount of time, and I want to get in as many people as I can, so let me respond uh, to the first part. A, how do you know that I'm not a socialist? And B... I uh, never said that you're not. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, no, you seem to imply that it was only Democrats. Au contraire. Au contraire. All right. And and Bella, and then the other thing... I'm taking this very personally. That's not what I No, Bella, I'm trying to respond to you, so hang on. And then the other thing is we're trying to. We're going to see if we can pull this off next week here on the broadcast. Uh, I would love to have a Green Party presidential debate with all three uh, Green Party presidential candidates in advance of the California primary. That would be uh, Roseanne Barr, Jill Stein, and I'm forgetting the third guy's name. So... Uh, at least here on the broadcast, I can't speak for the rest of KPFK, but at least here on the broadcast, uh, you know, I'm not uh, partisan for any particular party. That's well, my thought, Greens my response. Have a very chummy, the Greens have a very chummy relationship with the Democrats. All so right. the question again becomes, why is it that socialists have no voice on KPFK? Well, they why do now. You just you just uh, put in a word for them, and Bella, and I appreciate it. I want to get to some other callers, uh, you. but your point uh, is well taken. Thank you very much. Uh, indeed, it is. Let's go to uh, Hala, also in Los Angeles. Hey, Hala, welcome Hello, to KPFK. Ben. Great show, as usual. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I just wanted to make a quick point. I wanted to emphasize on the horrible, horrible role that. Um, corrupt media plays in our society, not only here, but all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, my question is, um, one of the examples of horrible media outside of the United States is Al Jazeera News, which is completely funded by a Qatarian prince who is very rich. Uh Um, And... um, you said Al Jazeera, no, correct? You said Al Jazeera, correct? Al, Al Jazeera. Okay. Yes. Al Jazeera yeah. News. Right. Um, and um, <clears throat> knowing that, it, they still um, air it on KPFK. Yep. Knowing that is, you know, not a public funded media, mm-hmm. and, which 
I thought KPFK is a public-funded well, it, it actually is uh, publicly funded. I don't believe they get any funding whatsoever from Al Jazeera uh, to run that report. Al Jazeera has been, uh, frankly, a dogged and important independent voice, as far as I see it, no matter where their funding is coming from, an independent voice in reporting on not just the Arab Spring, uh, but the Occupy movement here in uh, in the U.S., uh, and I say uh, the more voices, the merrier, Hala. Um, I, I do believe so. I just right. I think they should be investigated more because, I mean, I am an Arab myself, mm-hmm. and um, there has been a lot of things that, um, you know, um, were reported for that Al Jazeera has um, um, right. forged uh, videos or, or reports um, that were not true. Okay, well, listen, uh, when it comes to the media, there's always a lot that's not true. That's why we, we try to provide uh, a forum here for, for people to speak up when that's the case, to make noise, whether it's on uh, kpfk.org or here on the air, as I try each week to do my best uh, to open up the uh, the public airwaves uh, to callers like you, Hala. i got to run. Uh, I appreciate your thoughts, though. Uh, did, did you get in what you what you needed to say there? Okay. Thanks a bunch, Hal. I appreciate it. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Don't wait until the very end to call in. That's what everybody always does, and then I can't get you on the air, and i got to rush everybody through. So 818-985-5735. We've got just a few more minutes here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Let's go to Aaron in Costa Mesa. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the broadcast. How are you doing, Brad? I'm hanging in there. How are you? Oh, fine. First, I totally disagree with that lady. You got KPFK does not pine for the Democrats. Uh, they should because they should be for the ideology, not the party. Uh, Green Party and all that type of nonsense, all that to do is make the Republicans stronger and split the ticket. You can't, you can't control one party, the Democrats, to get them to do How are you going to create another party and then get them to do what they, you know, you want them to do? As far as what that other girl was saying, yeah. um, Algeria is straight uh, colonial propaganda. I mean, they, they're, they're the worst ever. Once, once they came on KPFK, I knew KPFK had totally been compromised. And, um, and wait, wait a minute, Aaron. Wait, Aaron, uh, Al Jazeera came on uh, KPFK around the same time I did. So no, wait, they, what do you remember you, they got rid of they got yeah. rid of uh, um, the other show that you used to come on sometime with the girl I like so much. Well, with with uh, Harrison's uh, show, he well, they, they didn't get rid of him. He, yeah, he's not. You know, he's on Monday. You can hear him in the same yeah, uh, three to four times. They finally him back. They bought him yeah. back, but he sure has toned it down a lot of about politics. Uh, the thing is, people have to realize the whole media is in collusion. Most of these people belong to the Council of Foreign Relationships. <laughs> and um, they, they all got, that, that was a creative for friendly talking propaganda. And, uh, you know, what uh, we need is movements on the street. And what I said is you always, you need to start boycotting these companies over the Internet. Then you'll get some real power. All right, get, get together, organize them, Aaron. I appreciate your call. I appreciate your thought here. Let me get to Stephen in Burbank. Uh, hey, Stephen, uh, who are we a mouthpiece for today, Stephen? Hi, Brad. Uh, I'm so confused. Maybe you can help me. Oh, it's our friend Stephen in Burbank. Good to hear from you, Stephen. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to help you. Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. What, what's up? Well, did I just hear Fox News admitting that human activity is contributing to global warming? <laughs> yes. Thereby 
admitting that there is such a thing as global warming. Right, uh, yes, it gets very confusing at this point for Fox News. In other words, Fox is saying that wind farms cause global warming, and yet they've told us that man has nothing to do with global warming. Look, when you're, you know, when you lie for a living, it gets harder and harder to keep track of your lies, I'm sorry to say. But yes, you notice that uh, as well. Yeah. If there were such a thing, this would be just too much fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't if it didn't, that. if it didn't mean uh, the end of our planet as we know it, it, it would be hilarious. Well, eat, drink, Th- and be merry for Th- tomorrow. Uh, who knows? Thanks, Stephen. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Hang in there. Okay, boss. All right, brother. Uh, let me go to uh, Tim in uh, North Hollywood. Hey, Tim. Welcome to KPFK. Hey, how you doing? I'm hanging in. Who am I a mouthpiece for today? Well, um, I, I just wanted to ask. Um, I went to the Occupy um, May Day yesterday. Yeah. And I saw a lot of uh, signs that reference that make statements about fascism in America. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that before. I've heard Cornell West reference, you know, say something along the lines of uh, fascism creeping in. Yep. And I, um, the sociologist from Norway on Democracy Now talk about um, fascism. Um, from the top down. Right. And so my question is, you know, shouldn't it, 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 what place in the public dialogue does the topic of fascism, you know, what role should it play in the public dialogue? Well, you know, it's, it's a great question. <clears throat> great question, uh, sadly, uh, that you bring with just 30 seconds or so left in the show, so I can't get into it in full. But I will say this, you know, people have a, a difficult time with the word fascism. Uh, because, you know, they start thinking uh, Mussolini and Hitler and stuff. I prefer the word corporatism because, uh, you know, uh, under the classic definition, you know, fascism is this uh, collusion between uh, corporations and government. And that is absolutely what is at the very heart of all the problems that we're currently facing in this country. Uh, this uh, corporatism is eating us alive and that's what we need to be discussing about week in and week out. Of course, we do our best to do that at uh, at bradblog.com every week. Uh, thanks, Tim. i got to get out here. I do appreciate the call. We'll pick this up again uh, hopefully soon, hopefully next week. Uh, check out our uh, story on Sibel Edmonds' new <laughs> memoir, The Most Gagged Woman in America is Gagged No More. Check that out at bradblog.com. My thanks today to Desi Doyen, our producer, to Margot Paez, our super-duper associate producer, of course, to our soundboard operator, Federico Garcia, oh, and Christine Blasdale for helping us out as well. Please stay tuned for uh, John Wiener and the 4 o'clock report for politics from Kabul to Madison with my friend John Nichols of The Nation. That's coming up. We'll be back right here next week. Same Brad time, same Brad channel. Until then, find me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog and at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.